Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. We, as the human race, all have something to discover. We spend our lives looking for things we seem to have lost on a mission to recover. For generations and millennia, we've been in search looking for the next thing that could fill our void. We've dabbled in wars and money and greed and power, whatever else we've enjoyed, but they filled not the empty gaps inside our hearts. Not 6,000 years ago and not now, because there's a truth we have to face, a truth most of us tend to avoid. The truth that there's only one thing that can set us free. One thing that will allow us to live above this empty world. One thing that can open deaf ears and let the blind see Jesus. He is the answer and the light and the way. He's the one that set us free from all the rules and laws we had to obey. He's the one that took our punishment upon himself and made everything okay. He's the one that said to the fellow on the cross, you will be with me in heaven today. This is why we gather to celebrate. Easter isn't about chocolate or eggs or a bunny. It's about the freedom brought to us through Jesus. The closed, dark, gloomy curtain between man and God, forever open and sunny. This is what we as the human race need to discover and see. It isn't our works or good deeds that set us free. It was the love flowing from the wounds of Jesus as he hung on Calvary. Love is what this dying, hungry world needs. Remember the woman at the well? She thought everyone had cursed and forgot her, but then she saw Jesus and he said, you will never thirst again, I am the living water. Then this water, it died like a bad nightmare. Three days there was weeping, but then a cry arose, Peter, John, you will never believe this affair. Jesus has risen. There's no need to despair. This love given to us so freely, if we simply believe is not done there. Jesus has a mission for every one of us in here. His love is in the business of the recycle. He said, go ye therefore and make a disciple. See, we celebrate today the peace we have in Jesus, the love that is always present, giving us the power to move so we can't stand still. We can't falter. We can't live lives in love and not move. That would make us an imposter. This message of love needs to spread to all the corners of the earth. What's the message? Could there be a love so deep, so wide, so vast? Could there be a love that gives us new life with no part of the past? Yes, the answer is yes. You see, if we stood before God ourselves, we would never get into heaven. We would be too unclean, but Jesus, through his love and mercy, takes our place and says to the Father, they're with me, and that's when we finally discover grace. Amen. Grace. Have you ever given that word much thoughts? It's a very difficult word for us in our culture today to wrap ourselves around. Now, the original Greek word caress is sometimes described as grace, and other times the word favor is used. In other words, it's God's favor being poured upon us. It's God giving us what we need, not what we deserve. I don't know about you, but I long for God's grace upon my life. I struggle sometimes to understand why God would love me the way I am. Why? Because I know me. Because you know you. 
You know your shortcomings. You know your struggles. You know the difficulties in your life. You know the things that trip you up day in and day out. And yet God offers grace. Freely giving it for you. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines grace as unmerited divine assistance given to humans. That's what God does for us. Grace. We want everyone to give it to us. We want everyone to pour grace upon us. Give me grace in this moment. Give me grace because of my mistakes. Yet in that time when others need grace, we struggle to give it back. Therefore, it's difficult for us to wrap ourselves around. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series that we're simply talking about advancing God's grace. That's what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross of Calvary. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. He willfully gave everything on the cross to offer divine assistance. To give us what we need, not what we deserve. In this series, we've taken some time to look at some of the final things that Jesus said before he died on the cross. And if you've missed any of the last three weeks, I want to encourage you, go back and listen to the sermons. Go back and listen to the message. Let God's word become alive in your hearts. How do you find it? Go to the website, go to YouTube, go to Facebook. You can go about anywhere and find these things, but let God begin to speak into your life. Today, I want to look at two of the final statements as we wrap up this time Together, I want to process through two of the final statements. They put a little plug. Next week, we're going to kick off a brand new series. We're going to spend seven weeks talking about all in. Are we willing to go all in for the cause of Christ? Are we willing to give everything as he has poured everything upon us? Are we willing to lay it all out? For him. So join us starting next Sunday morning as we kick off that brand new series. Let's go back to grace. Two final statements. Luke chapter 23, verse 34 says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And then John 19, it says, Jesus said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. These two very simple statements. Father, forgive them. And it is finished. These two three-word statements have had the greatest impact upon our society, upon our lives, more than any other statement ever made. That's why today I want to take some time. I want to look closely at what God has done through the price that Jesus Christ paid for us. And what does that mean to our lives today? You see, we could shorten these two statements, these three word statements. Father, forgive them and it is finished. We could shorten it down to forgiveness and completion. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. He paid a price that we deserve to pay. 
but a price that by ourselves we could never, ever accomplish. You see, every one of us falters, every one of us fails at some point in life, sometimes many times a day. Anybody else in the house today ever make a mistake? Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you just made one? You see, the Bible says that every one of us struggles. Every one of us falls short. Every one of us makes mistakes in life. We fail to reach that point of perfection. We fall short of God's glorious standard. So what's our hope? The wages of sin is death. The price that we deserve, what we have earned in this failure to achieve what God has called us to achieve, what we have earned is death or separation from God for all eternity. Yet God, through the price of Jesus Christ, offers grace. Freely given for you, freely given for me, Jesus paid the price that we deserve to pay. Yet in his mercy, in his love, in his grace, he gave it all for you. This morning, I want to talk about two truths that we see in these two very simple statements that Jesus made. Number one is this, forgiveness Cost everything, but is freely given. Forgiveness for you, forgiveness for the price that you paid, the struggle that you earned, that forgiveness, it cost Jesus everything. Yet he freely gives it to us, for the wages of sin is death. But it goes on to say this, but the free gift of God is eternal life. The cost of your forgiveness was the price of Jesus Christ's life on the cross, but yet he freely gives it to you. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Could you imagine? I want you to place yourself around the cross that day. There are people that have been mocking Jesus. There were people that were spitting upon him as he carried that cross all the way to Calvary. There were those that beat him repeatedly over and over to the point of where he looked almost unrecognizable. There were those at the foot of the cross that gambled for his clothing. Those that placed a crown of thorns out of mockery upon his, upon his brow. Yet in that moment, Jesus knowing full well why he was in the place where he was, not because he had done anything wrong, but he looked upon the crowd that day. He looked upon those that had done so many things against God. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. But you see, I, I believe that in that moment as he called that out to the Father, I don't think he was just talking about those around the cross that day, but I believe that in that moment he scanned all time and he saw you. Amen. Yeah. Oh, maybe you didn't drive the nails in his feet and in his hands, but you've fallen short. 
you've made mistakes. You've done things that have separated you from the Father. But yet while standing and hanging on the cross of Calvary, he saw you. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And, and in this idea of forgiveness, I really see two sides to forgiveness. First off is this. We must forgive others as God forgives. We must forgive others as God forgives. In fact, when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, one portion of that prayer directly deals with the hearts of Now, why did I say heart? Because forgiveness comes from the very core of who you are. Forgiveness is not just lip service, but it's deep down inside saying, I release this hurt. I release you. I release this situation. We must learn to forgive others as God forgives. In fact, look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. This is where Jesus was talking to the disciples. He said, pray this way. A portion of that prayer simply said, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. How would you like it if God forgave you the way you forgive others? Think about that just for a moment. How would you like it if God said, you know what, I forgive you, but with contingencies. I forgive you, but fill in the blank. You see, oftentimes, isn't that what we do for others? I forgive you, but... But here we see Jesus talking to the disciples. He said, when you pray, pray like this, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. That's hard to swallow. That's hard to wrap ourselves around because oftentimes we want forgiveness. But if we're honest with ourselves, we don't want to give it. We want to hold on to that. We may with lip service throw it out, oh, I forgive you, but really we take that and we stick it in our back pocket for ammunition for later. I may need that. Right? Have, have you been there before? It was Stephen Furtick in the book, The Seven Mile Miracle, that once made this statement. The forgiveness we receive from God and the forgiveness we give to others are so closely tied together that we can't separate them. Let that sink in just for a moment. The forgiveness we receive from God and the forgiveness we give to others are so closely tied together that we can't separate them. Do you agree with that? See, if, if you read two verses further in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus takes this idea of forgiveness to a brand new level. Look at what he says. If you forgive those who sinned against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, everybody say but. Yes. 
But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow! I don't know about you, but that... Right? Here, Jesus saying, here's the importance of forgiveness. If, if you will forgive that person that's done you wrong, if you will forgive that person that's hurt you time and time again, if you will forgive that individual, that situation, if you will forgive that, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse, you see, our forgiveness from God and our forgiveness to others are so closely tied together, we can't separate them. But too many people, too many of us today, we go through trials and we go through battles in life and we never allow ourselves to remove that dagger that's stuck in our back, that dagger that's stuck in our side. We try to cover it up. We try to put on that smiling face. We try to mask the situation, but we just can't seem to part with the hurts. We simply want to hold on to that anger just a little bit longer, to relive that hurt just one more time, to dwell in the resentments just for a period of time. But as we do, listen carefully, this extra baggage that we're carrying around, it, it begins to weigh us down. It begins to wear on us. What was once hurt begins to cycle through a myriad of emotions and finally settles in as bitterness. And this bitterness, it begins to tear us apart piece by piece by piece. Maybe you've been there. Maybe, maybe you're there this morning. Maybe that's the environment that you're living in. Even now as we speak, you're holding on to that bitterness. You're beginning to lose hope. You're beginning to lose joy. And ultimately, you're becoming disconnected from the life that God had planned for you. It was Jesus himself that said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, yet here you are today, not thriving in the abundance of life, but you're stuck in the bitterness, the resentment, the hurt of yesterday. I want to challenge you, listen very closely, don't allow a lack of forgiveness to rob you from all that God has for you. Don't allow the unforgiveness of situation, the unforgiveness of circumstances, the unforgiveness of hurt, of problems, of the past, don't allow that to define where God has you to go for the future. But give it to Him. The Bible is very clear that we can cast our cares, our anxieties, our hurts upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. He sees you where you are today. He sees you in the midst of that hurt, and he says, I'm here offering hope. I'm going to be honest with you. Forgiving others when you've been hurt 
time and time again, it's not easy. It's not. But if you'll just give it to God, if you'll just let God walk with you today, we must learn to forgive others as God forgives us. Number two, we must forgive ourselves as God forgives. That's hard because sometimes we've messed up so many times that we don't think we're worthy. We don't see value. All we see is the mess up, the failure. Maybe you've had people in your life, influential people in your life, they have repeatedly said to you, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything. We've allowed that to take roots inside of us. If we fail to not only not forgive others, but we fail to forgive ourselves, we are not allowing God to give us that full, victorious life. We are essentially saying that even though God loves us enough, even though He cares for us enough to die on the cross of Calvary, to lay everything on the line, we believe that we are not important enough to forgive ourselves. Listen carefully. You are worth forgiving. Would you look at your neighbor this morning and say you're worth forgiving? Would you look at the person on the other side, you know, your second choice? Would you say to them, you're worth forgiving? Every one of you this morning, God loves you unconditionally. Jesus died for you. If it was only you on the earth, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus would have chosen to climb on the cross of Calvary to give everything for you. You are worth forgiving. Every single one of you. God wants nothing more than to forgive you, to reconcile a relationship with you, to be a part of your life, to walk with you day in and day out. And I promise you today, there is no separation that you've allowed in your life that's too great that God can't conquer. There's nothing in your life today that can hold you back from God if you will just give it to Him. He loves you unconditionally. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your best friend today. Romans chapter, 38, or chapter 8, verse 38 and 39 says this. Paul is writing, he says, I am convinced I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Oh, I hear what you're saying, but pastor, you don't know. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I was thinking on the way to church this morning. You don't know what last night was all about. I, like Paul, am convinced there's not a doubt in my mind. There's not a shadow of doubt in my mind that there is absolutely nothing that can ever separate you from God's love, neither death or life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor the worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell itself can separate us from God's love. 
No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed, here it is, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of what Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary, because of the price that he paid when he conquered death, hell, and the grave for you, because of that price, there is nothing that will separate you from the love of God. I want you to know today that forgiveness cost everything, but it's freely given for you. The second truth that I see in this section of Scripture or in these comments is this. Completion was set in motion by Jesus for you. Completion was set in motion by Jesus for you. He declared, it is finished. Now at first glance, This statement could cause a person to think, wow, Jesus has been defeated. Jesus is is given up. I can imagine those around the cross that day, there were a a few of his followers, others were hiding out and out of fear of their lives, and there were those that had beaten him, and they're hanging around the cross, and they hear Jesus say, it is finished. For many of them around the cross, I think, we won, he's defeated, he's over, he's done. For three and a half years, he tried to change it, but he failed, it's over. It is finished. There's no more hope. Jesus has given up. Again, in the book, The Seven Mile Miracle, Stephen Furtick says this, when Jesus said, it is finished, the enemies of the gospel must have heard him making this kind of announcement. There's nothing more I can do. It's over. But really, what Jesus was saying was, there's nothing more I need to do. I've accomplished my mission. I've won. There's nothing more that I need to do. For the last three and a half years, I have shared the hope. I have shared the grace. I have shared the mercy of God. And here I am now. It is finished. My job here is done. I've won. But for some of you in the house today, some of you that are watching online today, you're still stuck on the cross. You're still stuck in the sorrow, the mourning, the sadness, the hurt, the defeat of that moment of death. You've come here today, you feel defeated. You feel as if there's no hope for your life. I wasn't planning on saying this, but I need to say it. You feel like there's no reason for you to live. You might as well throw in the towel. You might as well give up. You're consumed with the troubles and the situations. You're consumed with your habits and your addictions, 
Your trials and your failures and your sins, they've all defeated you. But I'm here to tell you today, because Jesus is alive, you are not defeated. You are a victor in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, For sin is the sting that results in death. We talked about that a few moments ago. The wages of sin is death. Because of the life that we live, because of the choices that we make, it leads to eternal separation or death. But I love verse 57. It takes this idea of defeat and, and death and separation, and it brings about hope. It says, but thank God. I don't know about you, but I love when God butts in. I love when I'm going through situations of life. I love when I'm, when I'm facing struggles and suddenly God goes, ah, not today, Satan. Right? Okay, apparently only this side of the room has been there before. You guys are all like, oh, no, glory to God, we're always perfect. Life is always good for us over here on the left side, but on the right side, whoo, glory. No, 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 we've all been there. We don't know how to face tomorrow. We don't know how to make it another day. We're not really even sure why we get out of bed. Just let me sleep. But God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, sin results in death, ultimate separation for all eternity. But because of the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary, Jesus paid it all for you. Forgiveness costs everything, but it's so freely given. Jesus stepped in, triumphantly stepping out of the grave. He takes the broken pieces of your hearts and he begins piece by piece to put you back together. He takes the emptiness of your soul and he begins to pour in his joy, his hope, his peace. He takes the sorrows and the distress and he turns them into joy and celebration. He takes the meaningless life and gives you purpose and real life. He gives us victory over that which held us back for way too long. Some of you today, you've been carrying around the weight of yesterday, the weight of struggles, the weight of unforgiveness, the weight of hurt. And I want you to know today that now is the time. Today is the day. Now is your moment because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary because Jesus didn't stay in the grave because on that third day, something began to shake. Something began to happen. The stone was rolled away and Jesus stepped out, the victor for you. Amen. Jesus paid the price. Do you see a pattern here? Do you see what's happening? We have victory we have it today because Jesus not only died, but he conquered death and rose from the grave. 
Remember when Jesus cried out, it is finished. He wasn't throwing in the towel. He wasn't giving up. He was declaring, we win. By the way, if you haven't read the end of the book, let me just challenge you. Read the end. And I don't know about you, but when I was in school, I'm going to give a little secret here. I don't want my kids to listen. I didn't used to like to read. Now I, I, I read a little bit more than I used to. But when I was a kid, I didn't like to read. So when I had a book report to do, what I would do is I would read the, the opening cover. You know, they always had that page that flipped over, and you had kind of the highlights of the book. And I would read the very beginning, and I would write, read the end, and I would write a summary. It worked! So if you just take a moment, and by the way, I wouldn't encourage you to do that with the Word of God. Read all of it. But if you do just skip to the end, we win. We win. Not because of who we are. Not because of how awesome we are. Not because of how great we are, because we all mess up. But because of how great He is. Jesus declared, it is finished. It stands finished. It always will be finished. The price has been paid in full for you. The battle in your life has already been won. The price has already been paid. Your healing has been set in motion. Your deliverance has been freely given. And it's time now to begin to walk the victorious life that Jesus set in motion for you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says it this way. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a, a brand new life. I want to read that again. Because Jesus was raised from the grave. Come on, look at this. Yes, he died on the cross, but it didn't stop there. That wasn't the end of the story. This isn't a choose-your-own-adventure book. If you keep reading the story, he didn't stay on the cross, but he was placed in the grave, and three days later, he rose from the grave. And because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. You've been given a brand new life. And have everything to live for. Including a future in heaven. And that future starts when? Now. You've been given everything to live for. That future begins now. The Bible is very clear that today is the day of salvation. That God desires that none of us would perish, would die without him. But that every one of us in the room, and I wish I had the time today to look every one of you in the eyeball and say, God gave Jesus for you. Jesus loves you unconditionally. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. I want you to know that he saw you and he sees you where you are. Today is the day to turn away from the life of sin. 
and turn to Jesus. You may have walked into this room today and you feel stuck. You feel trapped in the hurts, the unforgiveness, the addiction. You name it, the list goes on and on. It all seems dreary. It seems hopeless. You're spiraling downward rapidly. I want to remind you of something. A great friend of mine once made this statement. It is finished. That was Jesus. It stands finished. It always will be finished because of the price that he paid. By the grace of God, you can have forgiveness. You can have deliverance. You can be set free today. Your future starts now. Why? Because he loves you. Because he gave everything for you. Let me ask you a personal question. Will you give it all to him today? Would you turn it over to Jesus? Sure, you can continue down the path you're going. Oh, it'll be different next time, Pastor. Hmm. No. It just repeats itself until you make a break, make a change, and turn to Jesus. The one that holds it all together. The one that's able to put all the broken pieces back together. It's Jesus. That's what he did for you. Would you bow your heads today? You've come into this place and you say, Pastor, and you're reading my mail. A lot of that's where I've been living. A lot of that's where I've been, what I've been experiencing in life, and today I need to make a change. I've come here today not really knowing that I needed a change. Maybe I came here today because somebody invited me or you felt you needed to because it was Easter. But you say, I understand now why I'm here. Because God sees me. God loves me. And I need him. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, good news is, is the Bible is very clear that if we confess our sin, in other words, if we, if we share with him the wrong that we've done, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, all the wrong that we've ever done. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to give it all to Jesus. I want to receive his forgiveness. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. You ready? One, Jesus loves you today. He gave everything for you. Two, if you would have been the only one on earth, I believe he would have died just for you. Are you ready? If that's you, three, raise your hand. All across the house. Yeah, there's one. There's two. Come on, is that you? 
You're not alone in this place. Every one of us falls short. Every one of us makes mistakes. Today is your day. Now is your moment. Is that you? Yes, I see that hand. I'm going to give you just a second and we're moving on. My second question is this. You're here today and say, Pastor, there's some forgiveness that I've been struggling with. Maybe it's forgiving others. Maybe it's forgiving self. But you say, I want to let it go. I don't want to hold on to it any longer. That's you. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, hands, several hands going up. Several in the house. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Would you stand with me all across the house today? I need every prayer partner that I have in the room this morning. I need your help. As the worship team begins to lead us in this song, if you raised your hand this morning, or maybe you wish you would have or, or know you should have, I'm going to ask you to take a very bold step. The Bible instructs us to share with one another, to pray with one another. That's what these prayer partners want to do. They want to encourage you today. If you raise your hand or you know you should have, as we begin to sing this song, I'm going to ask you to leave your seats. Take a very bold step of faith to find one of these prayer partners. Share with them why you've come. You don't have to give them every detail. But share with them why you've come. Let them pray with you today. Are you ready? Here we go.